I'm bad, but I can be badder. Yes! That whole cast became kind of like my family. We were all very close. It wasn't just this cute movie about Hilary Duff. It was actually like a movie that made you feel something. Hey, Team Duff, it's Wit. Thanks so much for listening to Duff Enough, the ultimate Hilary Duff fan podcast. This show is a celebration of the life and career of actress, singer, mother, and all-around icon, Hilary Duff. Well, no classic Hilary Duff movie is complete without an arch rival to match Hilary's leading character. My next guest knows what it's like to play the villain in a Hill Duff flick. Lauren Mayhew starred as Robin in the fan favorite Raise Your Voice. Her other industry credits include TV roles on Dexter and CSI and touring gigs with Britney Spears, NSYNC, and Destiny's Child. Currently, Lauren voices Val Thundershock on Hulu's Trollstopia, and she joins me now to talk about her career and, of course, raise your voice. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to Deaf Enough. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to start, I feel like I may or may not owe you an apology because on the Raise Your Voice episode of the podcast, I said I wasn't a fan of Robin, but I'm not supposed to be, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you were a fan, that means I probably didn't do my job. Gotcha. So then we're all good. We're all good. (laughs) And a little backstory as to how this kind of came together. So you are from Tampa, Florida, correct? Yeah, I was born and raised here. I'm new to the area. I actually haven't even said on the podcast that I'm living in Tampa now and producing a talk show for the NBC station here called Daytime. Shout out. You were a guest on the show recently and you were in the studio. It is COVID time. So you had a mask on when we kind of passed each other. But I knew I recognized you from somewhere. I just didn't know where. And I got to say, it's you had straight hair. If your hair had been curly, I would have been like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> For sure. So excited to talk to you. Fans are going to love hearing some behind the scenes about Raise Your Voice, which we will get to. Let's start with how did you you know, get into singing and when did you get the acting bug? You know, I'd been singing and acting ever since I was young. I was actually on a, a soap opera prior to Raise Your Voice called Guiding Light that I did for about two and a half years. I was a series regular on that, which filmed out of New York. And I was a preteen when I was doing that. I was like 12 years old. So my mom flew back and forth with me from Florida to New York about four or five times a month, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, I also did a lot of acting and singing stuff in Orlando because Nickelodeon and the WB filmed there. So I was on a couple different Nickelodeon shows and um, did some WB shows as well and a bunch of different commercials in Florida. I feel like I actually grew up as like a real life uh, Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus sort of situation Um, because I was going, I was going to school at Berkeley prep, which anyone from Tampa um, knows that school to, to private school here in Florida. And um, so I, I grew up going there, but also being in entertainment ever since basically I can remember because I was also in uh, musical theater at the Tampa Bay performing arts uh, center, which is now called the straws. Uh, prior to the soap opera, I was actually on a show called The Reppies, which is a show on PBS that I did 64 episodes of. It was like a singing rock band of dinosaurs, basically, Okay, <laughs> which sounds crazy, but it was a lot of fun to shoot. And it was actually cool because um, my mom, so my dad's an orthopedic surgeon, my mom's a nurse, and my mom actually would like take off time to come with me and be there with me on set. And it was cool because she ended up getting a job as the on-set nurse on the reppies, which was really neat. And so, uh, yeah, we both did that show together. So it was pretty cool. 
And I mentioned some of the the names that you'd worked with as a singer. You were in a girl group, right? I was, yeah. So around, I left the soap opera around 13, 14 years old, and I was in a girl band called PYT, uh, which stands for Pretty Young Things, like the Michael Jackson song. And we were signed to the same record label as Michael Jackson. We were label mates, so it was Epic Sony. And we opened up for NSYNC, Britney Spears, Destiny's Child, 98 Degrees. We also got to do Super Bowl um, with Aerosmith and Sting in the pregame. It was the same Super Bowl that Aerosmith, sorry, did the uh, halftime. Sting and Sticks did the pregame. Right. But it was such a phenomenal experience. I mean, that's definitely in the record books of one of the coolest performances I've ever gotten to do, for sure. I want to hear some stories. Brittany and Sting, tell me something. Give me something good. You know, um, so back before everyone knew that Brittany and Justin Timberlake were an item, Justin was always coming on Brittany's tour So we obviously knew that there was something going on there. They were so cute. But it was funny because one of the girls in my band, uh, Tracy, was actually a huge Justin Timberlake fan. She had a massive crush on him. And I remember one time there was this girl who was a backup singer for Britney Spears, super, super talented girl. And um, she was kind of giving us a tour, you know, just around backstage and like, you know, taking us on Britney's tour bus and everything. And she was like, she got called to stage to do a sound check. And so she had to leave and she was like, oh, girls, just like, you know, hang out here. Like, I'll be right back. And we were like, okay, cool. We'll chill. So we make our way back to the back of the tour bus and there's JT sleeping in the back of the tour bus. And I, being the instigator that I am, tell Tracy, I'm like, Tracy, this is your chance. Like you got to spill your guts and tell him how you feel. He's sleeping. This is the, this is the moment. And she's like, Oh my God, I couldn't. I'm like, do it, do it. You know, you're like a 14 year old girl peer pressuring. (laughs) And so she does it and she spills her guts and he kind of stirs and we're all like, Oh my gosh. And we like run out of there. And I remember that night we were performing and right after we came off stage when Brittany was about to go on, Justin was there like in the wings and he just like looks at Tracy and he was like, Hey, thanks for the compliments. And I was like, ah, of course, Tracy died of embarrassment. Um, she was mortified, but I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> That's great. No big deal. Just JT. It was pretty funny. So we got to do a lot of really cool radio shows and different other um, collaborative like uh, radio shows and things like that. So we got to perform with Jessica Simpson and with Pink. I'm trying to think. We did like a Radio Disney tour um, with Aaron Carter for a while. So we got to know him a little bit. You're losing the Hillary fans now mentioning Aaron Carter, but oh, I know. <laughs> well, you know, he was nice when we toured with him. We were kids. Um, I don't really know him as an adult now, but. Right. That's awesome, though. All right. Well, let's talk Raise Your Voice, because that is what everyone cannot wait to hear about. So how did you first of all, how did you get to L.A.? This was your feature film debut, I understand. And. I mean, what's the audition story? How'd you get into this movie? Apparently, so I went in for the original audition, got a callback, um, went in for the callback, got a screen test, and the screen test was to read with Hillary. And apparently, she had seen us perform, because she's originally from Texas, and she had seen us perform there, I think it was with Destiny's Child, actually, and was a fan. And so I think that actually helped me get the role. I'm not going to lie. And we became fast friends, um, you know, because of that. And I think that she had seen me, you know, like a year prior or something. Wow. I love that. Wow. And do you have an audition story? You know, obviously, it's always such a nerve wracking experience to audition. There's a bunch of people double, triple your age watching your every move and, you know, in a very sterile sort of environment in a very small room. And um, I remember when I finished, one of the producers saying, you're going to be great for this role because every time you say these lines, you scare me. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, you know, just kind of like to your point when you were saying, you know, that in a previous episode, you had said that you didn't like Robin. Um, I feel like maybe if you did like Robin, I probably didn't do my job well. So I guess maybe making her afraid and also making you not like me was the point. But, um, you know, it's also hard. I mean, I was only, you know, 16 years old when I was in this movie. And it was kind of weird for me because I remember meeting a lot of little kids who had seen the movie that were fans. And they were also kind of scared of me in real life because some of them couldn't understand the difference between acting and the person and, you know, that was standing there in front of them. So um, that was kind of interesting because I've never had that experience, you know, to meet a little kid and to have them be kind of afraid of me um <laughs> yeah um yeah that was really weird <laughs> well aside from that though did you enjoy kind of tapping into that villain role I mean was that fun to to kind of get to be mean for sure I mean you know anytime that you get to be a character like that that's like the the villain or the mischievous one or any sort of instigator I mean it's such a fun role to play and we were such good friends offset I really became friends like that whole cast became kind of like my family we were all very close it was such a fun time filming it. Um, I really had such an such a blast. And actually, Hillary and I remained friends for a long time after that. We actually ended up doing other projects together. We booked a national commercial together. We were in an Icebreakers national commercial together, and then also did an episode of jo- um, Joan of Arcadia together, where we basically played kind of almost the similar roles, where she was like, you know, kind of a girl like in high school trying to fit in, and I was mean to her again. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was really cool for a couple of years there. We worked a lot together. And then I actually became friends with her sister as well. We kind of ran in the same social circles, um, Haley. So um, yeah, I've known her whole family now and her mom's super sweet. Her mom was on set all the time. And I really relate to that because, you know, I grew up when I was, you know, acting and stuff and a little too young to really be on my own, you know, on set. And so my mom traveled with me a lot as well. So I really related to her mom being there and feel like I've known her whole family. You were saying that you grew very close to the cast. Talk a little bit more about that, because what a cast. I mean, Rita Wilson and then some of these people who weren't even stars yet, like Jason Ritter and Kat Dennings. Yeah, no, um, Kat and I became really close. Uh, Jason and I still talk here and there, like on Instagram and via social media. And it's great to see like how well he's done. Kat and I unfortunately haven't spoken anytime recently, but I mean, I've just, you know, watched her blow up into the superstar that she is. And I'm so proud of her. She's always been nothing but like an amazing human being and just such a kind person. So she deserves all of it. Do you have a favorite memory? There was so much um, amazing like music scenes that we did. We were all just kind of like hanging around and chilling out together that like for me, like I didn't really, you know, I just moved to LA literally that year. I didn't really have a ton of friends and it kind of felt like actually my classmates or something you know like we would be just hanging out you know just doing kid stuff just like chilling and stuff on set and it was kind of like my college experience before my college experience I guess if you will and just how close like I don't think that I've ever had that situation where I've been so close with all the kids like on set and we were all such good friends so I think that that just in general that overall camaraderie was really what I take away or remember the most. Did you get to actually sing for your character? Yeah, I sang a lot, actually. They were talking about, I remember at the end, they were talking about releasing a whole soundtrack for it, and they wanted to like release other songs. It ended up not happening, unfortunately, which I was super excited about at the time um, because, you know, obviously I have this musical background and, you know, had been signed to Sony and everything before, and so I was excited about that. But I don't know why, um, actually, like why it ended up not coming to fruition, but all the songs that were in the movie, I did sing those. They were just, you know, uh, the producers at one point were contemplating doing a whole soundtrack in addition to the, f- the songs that were in the film. But, you know, even the songs that we did do were a lot of fun. 
coming back to Robin for a second, I want to ask you about a few things. So what are your thoughts on some of these graphic tees that they had her in? Because she has one on that says Daddy's Girl and another one that said CPR lessons cute boys need only apply. (laughs) I don't even remember being in those graphic tees, which if you say that I was, I'm sure that I was. But um, I remember certain outfits. So some of it, were things that the wardrobe provided for me. And sometimes I would also bring some of my own wardrobe that the stylist would pick out and kind of mix and match a red off the shoulder um, shirt that I wore like in the movie poster. That was actually my own clothes. And then um, there was another outfit that was like a lavender purple dress that I wear at the end when I performed. That was also mine. Um, But the graphic tees that you're talking about, I actually don't even remember. That obviously must have been wardrobes clothing items but um yeah i mean now hearing the time the things that they are saying on that i guess now after me too movements and everything else probably would not be a thing that they would choose but um i guess at the time it was in fashion (laughs) right and really quick oliver james was of course a heartthrob for a minute there in the early 2000s i had a total crush on him oh yeah i remember like going and talking with him like in his trailer and stuff and me just thinking like you know 16 year old self was like oh my gosh this guy's so hot Um, but he was actually a little bit older than the rest of us than what he was playing, because I think I was like 16 or 17 at the time. And he was, I think already like 20, Mm -hmm. he was playing younger, which, you know, that that's not really a big age difference now, but at the time, you know, someone who's 21, 22, and when you're 16, I don't think he was so much interested in me, but I definitely thought he was very handsome. Right, right. How was the kiss? Oh, you know what? I mean, I was pumped about it. I think he was like, oh, I got to kiss this child, you know, but like (laughs) Um, he was uh, I remember it being a good kiss. I mean, you know, it's so funny. People always ask these sort of things and it's like never like it can be that romantic because you're on set with like a million people watching you and you have to remember your lines and you have to remember a million other things and you're blocking and you're placing and the lighting and all this stuff. So it's less romantic than you would think. But, you know, for 16 year old me, it was still pretty fun. And do you remember the line that you say to him right before you kiss him? Oh, man. It was something snarky about, like, uh, couldn't be better than me or she can't be me or something like that. Okay, I wrote it down. You said, I'm bad, but I can be badder. Yes! Yes! Oh, my gosh. That's hysterical. When you say it, it brings me back. I love it. I love it. Okay. And then to kind of wrap up here with Raise Your Voice, you know, there's so much nostalgia tied to this movie for Hillary fans, for millennials. So what do you make of that that fan legacy? When I watch the film, you know, it's like, you know, going into it, you know, you're doing, you know, a teen rom-com and you're expecting it to be cute and, you know, fun and all of these things. But when you actually watched it, when I remember going to the premiere, like people cried, like at the beginning of like the movie, like I feel like they did a really good job at like actually striking a chord and hitting a nerve. And I think the reason why it really resonates with fans is because it wasn't just this cute movie about Hillary Duff. It was actually like a movie that made you feel something. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, you know, outside of people who are even, you know, diehard Hillary fans is what made people fans in general of the film. Well said. Well said. Uh, oh, the I got to jump in the premiere. You said the premiere there. How was that? The premiere was so much fun. It was like one of my first like big, you know, feature film movie premieres. And I remember, you know, picking out my dress, getting my hair and makeup done, having like the after party at like Hard Rock. It was, you know, just such a whirlwind. And I remember, um, you know, I had extra tickets where I could bring my family and I brought one of my best girlfriends and 
yeah, it was, you know, I'll always remember it fondly for sure. Awesome. And before we move on from Raise Your Voice, because this is the Hillary Duff Fan Podcast, is there anything else you want to say about our girl Hill? I mean, working with her, knowing her, anything else? Have you have you continued keeping up with her career through the years? Yeah, you know, I've watched her on Younger. I think that she crushes it. I, I think that it would be so fun to be able to go on that show and um, do something with her in the future on any show that she's on and kind of like reunite the Lauren and Hillary kind of like duet that we used to do all the time. It felt like back in the day. But she's so incredibly talented and I just wish her the best. And honestly, um, even back in the day when she was coming off Lizzie McGuire and probably was like at the, you know, just super fandom of her career and was touring and all this other stuff, she was always such a sweet girl and always so humble and always took time to, you know, make time for her friends. And I just, I don't know, I don't have a bad thing to say about her, honestly. Like I've never seen her be um, ill towards anyone. I've, you know, I, I always watch, you know, you watch the, the stars on any sort of set and see how they treat anyone from the PA, you know, to catering, to hair, makeup, wardrobe, and to really see what someone's character is like. And I never saw her treat anyone badly. I always saw her just, you know, be kind to everyone. So I hope that she's doing great. Awesome. Let's jump into what you are currently up to, Trollstopia on Hulu. How cool is it to be the voice of a troll, especially now that this has become a huge, you know, film and TV franchise? Yeah, I mean, I've loved it. The people at DreamWorks are some of the most talented, phenomenal writers, producers, composers that, you know, there are. So working with them is um, you know, a dream job, literally. Um, the rest of the cast of Trollstopia, I mean, are all way bigger celebrities than I am and crazy talented themselves. So it's a pleasure working with them, even though actually I've not had the pleasure of meeting most of them. I've met Amanda Layton, who plays Poppy. But other than that, um, I haven't had the uh, opportunity to meet the rest of the cast in real life because most of them all live in L.A. And I've been recording Um, from studios that DreamWorks booked me in uh, New York up until now, which actually it's funny. I'm actually recording in my home recording studio. So today I had to do a test to make sure that the sound quality and everything was up to par of what they want for my home recording studio here in Florida. But it passed the test. So I'm super excited to be able to record. It should be a lot of fun. Tell us about Val. Yeah, so Val is super spunky. She's outgoing. She, you know, definitely beats to the rhythm of her own drum And what I really love most about her is that, you know, in a lot of kids shows, a character is just who they are. You know, what you see is what you get. But Val really changes and grows and evolves throughout the series, um, which to me is a character that's really exciting and fun to play because she's so much more dynamic. And the fact that she also sings, too, is is a blast because obviously I get to record a ton of original songs for her and stuff as well. So that's also a lot of fun. And she's purple. She's purple. She's so cute with her pigtails and her skull and crossbone barrettes and her little fingerless gloves and stuff. She's great. I understand you have music projects. What's going on in the music scene right now with you? I do, yeah. So I have a bunch of songs that are out already on Spotify and on um, Apple Music and uh, Deezer and all the different you know digital download and streaming platforms that are available out there. So definitely go and check that out under Lauren Mayhew. But I have a bunch of new music coming out in January and in February, which I'm really excited about. One specifically, um, the song is called Boys, and it's a collaboration with another producer named Invita. And it's really cool. We did actually a music video to it, which is um, featuring a cup of celebrity reality TV actors from Bravo's hit series, uh, Summer House. So one of my good friends, his name is Carl Radke. He's one of the series regulars in it. And I think they're either in their fifth or sixth season that's coming out now. But they've been doing such a great job, and the show's so popular, and they were kind enough to 
take some time away and be in my music video. So it was a blast to shoot and I'm really excited to share it with everyone, but it's going to be coming out in February. People who are listening to this podcast, they remember you as a child star. Now you are a grown woman doing your thing. What are your hopes for the future and dreams still moving forward with your career? I mean, ultimately, I want to do what I've been doing, but just at an even bigger level and, um, you know, being able to expand as an actor and do, you know, various different roles and then also create the music for the soundtracks and in my off time tour and perform. So I, it sounds like a lot, but um, <laughs> but I feel that for me, I thrive when I'm uh, when I'm busy and when I'm challenged. So I'm always trying to figure out a way to, you know, reach that next step and, uh, you know, create that next uh, platform in my career. So hopefully there's a lot more to come. Perfect. Perfect. And we look forward to seeing you and Hillary back together on screen. Yes, absolutely. I think that would be a blast as well. Well, Lauren Mayhew, thanks so much for being on Deaf Enough. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that's all for this episode of Deaf Enough. Thanks again for listening. I hope you'll subscribe and stick around for more because this podcast is what dreams are made of. You can follow along on social media at Deaf Enough Pod and check the description for my socials as well as show guests. And until next time, bye Team Duff. Bye.